he wasn't wearing any green. Well, you know how most guys are pretty colorblind? The ladies, that's green, right, in that stripe? According to him, it's gray. Half of the so, people I've seen today have said, you have no green on. That's good. And the others have said, you've got green. So. And it's divided right we, down with get it. A controversy going <laughs> the Y here. chromosome is over here with the gray. It's a gray area. Gray. Oh, good one, Dave. Gray area. They're all yours. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Morning. Home, home on the range Where the deer and the antelope play Where seldom is heard a discouraging And the skies are not cloudy all day Kind of idyllic, isn't it? Especially the part about seldom is heard a discouraging word. Now it's, long it's low hanging fruit to make people feel guilty about their words because they're not all bad, but you can go to a lot of passages in scripture and get really bummed out about the things that come out of the mouth. Today I hope we'll have a little bit of balance to this. I think we will, so don't don't get all you know, withdrawn and think, oh man, I, I say bad things and now today I'm going to get the beat down, that kind of thing. No, that's not going to happen. But uh, we will hear some things which are cautionary and then we'll be encouraged to uh, build one another up. I hope that you will take this material during the week and read through it again. This helps confirm it. Maybe some of you will have a Bible study at home with neighbors and can share this or you'll share it with a relative. But we have a responsibility, don't we, to take what we learn and, and send that out other places. Just like I had a responsibility from what I've learned, you have a responsibility and an opportunity, I think, to model this and then share it with someone else. That's my desire for you anyway. But it's good to be back with you again today. We trust the Holy Spirit to be working it with us. We're talking about street smarts and remember this by way of review. When we're in the book of Proverbs, we're not in a book of promises. Proverbs is not a book of promises. It is a book of sacred generalities. Oh, you say, oh, the Bible is not generalities. Most of it's not. But the Proverbs are, because they're balancing truths, aren't they? So uh, what we're saying here is when we read a proverb, we could put on the front of that, all things being equal, this is going to work out for you. Or this is the best chance I have of something going well is to follow this principle. But they balance one another, so they're not exactly promises, but they are important principles to go by. They are uh, street leather we're talking about. It has to do with skill in living. And also remember now, our Western idea, our Greek idea, most of our, our thinking as, as Americans is formed by the Greco-Roman Empire, and the idea that the wise person is the good arguer, the one who can win in a debate, the one who has plaques on the wall with the degrees, the publications, all of that. But for the Hebrew, there is none of that involved. For the Hebrew, the wise person is the skillful liver, the one who can in daily life, apply skillfully the principles of the book. So that's what we're after. We're not after degrees. We're not after, oh boy, he's really smart. She's smart. My. No. The Hebrew does not admire that. 
the Hebrew, and may I say, God esteems skill in living. It's interesting, you read through the book of Acts, people were amazed. They looked at the disciples and they didn't say, uh, they didn't say, oh my, look at their degrees, look at how smart they were. They were not well educated, as this world knows, but they were, people were amazed at them knowing that they had been with Jesus. They saw that the impact they made, the things in their life that went well were because they'd been with Jesus. That's what we'd like as well. Well, may the Holy Spirit use our time today. We start out with this day of words. I'd like for you to just start meditating a little bit as we get going here on things people have said to you which have built you up, which have encouraged you. I'm not going to have testimonies just yet, maybe later, but I want you to think how powerful those words were. Someone who said something to you that lifted you up, made you glad, encouraged you, made you a better person. Then, perhaps think of some words which have been said that have not been so helpful. Then you can reflect on your own life. I am counseling now with someone with whom I have spent many, 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 many hours trying to get rid of the negative stuff his dad said to him when he was a kid. Many, many hours. So, oh, Words can be so powerful. They are powerful. They can be used for good, and they can be used for evil. Since we are... I always come back to this Westminster Confession because you claim here to believe it. I know you do. Uh, we are born in depravity. What does that mean? That means that when we are born, we are born sinners. You say, oh, no, we're not. We, not until we sin. No, that's, that's liberal poppycock. You're born a sinner. That's what the Bible says. Uh, in, in, uh, David says, I was conceived in sin in my mother's womb. And we are charged with Adam's sin. Well, the point here is we are not basically good. We are basically, we tend to evil. We tend to selfishness. So here's the point of all of this. It's easier, more natural for us to do the bad thing than the good. We can always tell uh, an illustration that's negative. Why? Because there are so many to choose from. I say that to me young preachers. Illustrate positively. Use Positive illustrations. Oh, that's so hard. Yeah, that's right. They're harder to find. But here we go today. Let's start with 18.6. Proverbs 18, verse 6. Well, I'll read the first one while you're getting warmed up. But that, do we have the roving mics today? Yes, okay. You want 18.6? Take it, brother. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. Wow. So the fool, he's always saying stuff that, that the way he says things, he might as well say, bring it on. Give me your best shot. He doesn't mean to start a fight necessarily, but the words, this word for fool We're really not supposed to call each other fools. But God calls us fools sometimes. He calls certain people fools. And this word, it, it's, a, it's a tough word. Uh, you know, katsil. It sort of sounds like a goofus. But anyway, it, it's, uh, if you look this up in the Hebrew lexicon, it says not only fool, but stupid fellow. Dullard. So there's a person here who is so 
spiritually dull and undiscerning that he gets himself in trouble all the time with the mouth, right? It's as if his words are an invitation. Put them up, right? So there is this danger inherent in us. 18.6, yes, uh, a fool and his mouth invites a beating. Now the next one here is this next reference comes after it. A fool's mouth is his undoing and his lips are a snare to his soul. Now this goes on, remember we've talked about synonymous parallel where the two lines are the same and antithetical. This one might be what's called synthetic and that is that the second line adds a little bit to the first. So this especially is bad. Uh, his lips damage him internally as well. Now, how does how does that work? Uh, is it is it self-loathing that takes place? Maybe soul is uh, he means life here, but it's his undoing. So we can destroy ourselves with our mouths, right? One of the things we can, uh, we can practice now, you're thinking about influence on your grandchildren or maybe your great-grandchildren. Uh, there is a way to say things, right? There is a way to say things positively to people that encourage them. In, uh, I played high school baseball, and I, I could slap leather. That meant I was a really good fielder, but boy, did I have trouble hitting. Oh, my. I had trouble hitting. But we got in a tournament game my senior year, and I got a big hit, and I remember coming down to first base, and that, that coach, he took my face right in his hands like this. He said, do you realize what a great hit? Oh, do you realize what you just did? He was smiling. Boy, what a, what a vision that was. And, but I can think of other people in my background where, man, what, why do you say that? Why do you say that? Can't you? Who can, well we'll, well, we'll talk about building up a little later here because we're going to get to this idea of good words being productive. But I want you to be thinking about this for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren maybe, uh, when you have exposure to them, how important your words are to them. And even adult children need to be built up. It might be also a good thing every once in a while to have a review with your children and say, all right, now as you're growing up, I did what I thought was the best for you. Can you think of any times I hurt you with my words? If so, I would like to make up for that. Would you tell me this? Now this uh, came to my mind because I have uh, one of my older mentors, fellow I, that used to work with me, he would say this to his kids because he was getting older, getting, did not know exactly when his time would be over. Every little while he would say to his kids, now, is there anything between us that I don't know about that I could settle with you? Is there a way I've hurt you? Is there a way you feel you've been neglected? Are there words that I have spoken? Please don't let those go now. Feel free to speak to me. Wouldn't that be great? So that then, oh, of course we've made mistakes. What kid hasn't been blistered by his parent once in a while? Why? Because we're not perfect. Every parent makes that mistake. We confess this to the Lord and we try to make that up with others. That would be great if our kids the time we passed wouldn't bear any hurt in their hearts over things we've said. Wouldn't that be great? 
There's one more here in this first section about leading to conflict. Look at 15.1. I think it's time for another reader. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Yeah. Boy, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That's, that's power, isn't it? Isn't that interesting that there's such power in gentleness? A gentle answer turns away wrath. Now that is a good premarital counseling verse. I know that not too many of you are planning for that right now. But when I would do, in the pastorate, I'd do premarital counseling, I'd talk to them about having a good argument. And one of the ways you can have a good argument is not to escalate, right? Now, the, the worst communicators in the world are the ones that run into the room and slam the door. Forget it. Be, you do that, you're not communicating at all. That's the worst. A better option is, you get right in here, we're going to settle this, and okay, now you're... Maybe you duke it out a little bit, not physically, but you duke it out with your words. But you know how that goes. You escalate. Well, if you would have said this, well, if you would have said this, you would have said, well, your mother, well, your father, pretty, well, what you did, but if, if one, here's one who's still mad, and this one says, starts calming down. Well, I still don't like what you said. Okay, that's fine. Okay, and then, and then pretty soon, pretty soon, right? As soon as one tones it down, brings it down, decreases the volume after a while. It calms down. Well, you say, well, that's not the way I am. I know. <laughs> but if one person will de-escalate, if one person will calm down, give gentleness, it's okay, Dave. That wasn't me. <laughs> is, it an emer is it an emergency? No. Not an emergency? No. I always have my students turn things off before class, but <laughs> twice in 15 years my cell phone's gone off during class because I've had it in my pocket. <laughs> and you know what they say? Because I, I always tell them, don't, you know, don't have your cell phones on and so forth. They'll say, you planned that, didn't you, Dr. Green? We, we know you had them call you during class. No, I didn't. But it's okay, Dave. Don't worry about it. Are we finished yet? Yeah. yeah. Long gone. Good. Well, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being gentle here. So. Well, a, a, a gentle answer. Turns away anger. So it's one of the best things. You know, sticking up for your rights. Oh my goodness, what, what's that about? You know, that, that, that's just a fight. You go to escalate. Anybody have a testimony about someone who's spoken <laughs> gently to them and calmed things down? Um, the, this, what, what brings to my remembrance when you said that was many, many years ago, before I was saved, um, I had a doctor who must have been a Christian. But I went to her, and I had a lot of stress, and I had a lot of anger towards a friend. And the anger, I, I got so hurt by this friend that that hurt actually felt like murder inside of me. And I was telling the doctor about it. And after I told her about my anger, she said to me, be kind to her. And I said, be kind? You know, it, something softened inside of me, and I wasn't even saved at that point. Yes. And when she said that, I never forgot those words, and that's all she said. But it softened me so much that it took away the anger, the hurt, the... Uh, shortly thereafter, uh, I, I did 
give my life to the Lord. Uh, and then I remember that doctor's words. And that friend and I, we're still friends today. That's She's great. from a friend from college. So we've known each other lots of years. I stood up to her wedding. And I, we think, and I think of a time when we forgave each other. And I thought of that doctor's words, be kind to her. That's all yes. she said. Yes. Excellent. Thank you for that. Now, this is not only a thing about volume. It has also to do with intensity. Right? For instance, when, when my wife and I were young, not, not that we all have it settled now, but when, when we would have a disagreement, I'd sometimes be talking to her about like this. And she would say, stop yelling at me. What? I'm not yelling. You're yelling at me. I, I'm not yelling at you. The, the intensity was the issue. Now, if you are all intense, it's not gentle. And if you are just as sweet in your delivery, but you deliver nasty <laughs> words, say, that's not gentle. Not. You're just not. That can be just, you know, you know how some people are just like that, and they're killers. Because the words are so harsh. So it, it's quite an art here to say something in the right volume with the right intensity and the right word choice. We need God's help in this. But these can lead to conflict. But the gentle answer, if we're willing to be used that way and be gentle, we can bring a whole room down it is the voice of reason we can bring a whole room into order with our testimony what a great thing that would be that's a wise person right anybody can get a fight going anybody can say bring it on but others should be saying let's bring it together right let's bring this together well, the words of a stupid fellow, dullard, lead to conflict. Mind you, I'm not saying this. This is God delivering. Yeah, but you're being used. We've got our stones ready. No, I know you don't. But no. But gentleness is disarming. Gentleness is disarming. Well, someday, well, these holidays are coming, not quite yet, but you know they're coming. Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. And these, these can be great days or not great, so great days. But you have a long head start, right, to get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. Some families are not quite as joyous as other ones. But you can be a peacemaker here through this. It's kind of sorrowful when we get to a certain age and not all of our family relationships are what we want them to be. We take these to the Lord um, because sometimes it's not all our fault either, but we take these to the Lord and one of the ways that we can improve them is by managing our words in the power of the Spirit. It'd be great. Make a great improvement in relationships. Well, next we have this person the gossip. The gossip in, you, you can't leave now, everybody's watching. The gossip, oh yes, now, a couple of things I need to say. First of all, this has to, uh, to do with a person who is a talebearer or an informer. In the background of this is a person who is, who is a merchant, it's not saying a merchant is a gossip, but it's just one of, what, a merchant who would go around to everybody uh, selling, which is a good thing, that's fine, go all, all over the place, but then from that is, this word is built. This is a person who merchandises information, everybody's. You know, goes over to Caleb's house, and from Caleb's house he goes to Ruth's house, and from Ruth's house to Jonadab's house, and from Jonadab's house to somebody else's house, merchandising information. 
gossip. Some people are made to feel powerful through this. And here's what I want to say. It is not only women who gossip. May I hear an amen? Uh, Men gossip too. They just do it a little differently. Now it is true. I'll speak on scientific fact and then I will back off a little bit. Women do talk more. You can just do that statistically. So women complain that their men don't talk to them more. I think a woman speaks about two and a half times more words a day than a man and, and so forth and so forth. That doesn't make her a bigger gossip. It just means men are more efficient at it. Okay? So you need to watch out for that. Guys, we say things too that just amount to gossip. Um, that's, it's not a right thing. So we need to be careful about this. This is destructive behavior. 11.13. Would someone read this? 11.13. Gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Something wrong with this one. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Yeah. All right. Confidences are. Confidences are sacred, right? So never, ever should these be given away. I have many, many things. As a, as a former pastor, now a professor, I have many, many things that are going to the grave with me. People have told me many things that they have not told another soul in their lives. You have that same responsibility when someone opens the heart to you, when someone tells you their soul secret. They invest you with a great deal of power because now you have something on them that you could unethically use but we should never do that. Now, it's not only pastors that have this. Doctors, attorneys, financial advisors, all sorts of people have this kind of professional responsibility, but there's a Christian responsibility that goes far beyond anything that is a professional ethic. So we're not to do this. We're not to bear tales. We're not to run around with information uh, that makes us feel powerful. Dave, okay? are you repenting of... I already told you it's okay that your cell phone went off. Thank you very much. Okay. I, I did say I was going to. Okay. Uh, is it okay to feel a confidence with all parties that are confidentiality? Example, I'm going to tell our confidentiality. Uh, one day, I was in the nursing home uh, with my mother-in-law. I had the habit of always kissing her goodbye and telling her, Mom, I love you. Uh, this day, she came out of her, her, her Alzheimer's, and she said, I know you. Mary Lou loves you, too. Hey, so. <laughs> I haven't told that to anybody. <laughs> I, it would all depend. Even I would tend not to say something, even a deceased person, if it were negative. Right? Pardon me? Well, but that wasn't negative about the person herself that was saying something to you. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's probably just a matter of your conscience. The main point is you're not the person who gives uh, a confidential statement to you is uh, they're wanting to be protected themselves. So I think you have to afford that protection yeah, at any cost. Yeah. Now, there is the exception of if there's going to be damage done and so forth, and there are certain, certain things you must reveal. 
I don't know where that's coming from. Is is that feedback from that today? Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's coming back now. Well, we're okay. Seventeen nine. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Mm -hmm. There are certain things we don't cover if there is a unrepentant sin. If you read Matthew 18, sometimes we escalate this. We... Uh, if a brother's overtaken in sin, you confront him, and if he won't repent, you go to another, and you kind of escalate this. Sometimes the person's even put out of the Christian group. That's not what we're talking about here. I think what we're talking about is you're, you're in a friendship group, and somebody pulls a big mistake. They say something. They do something. They knew was wrong. You knew it was wrong at the time, and... and they make up for it so they're not sinning, but you just let others know about their goof up. And you're not supposed to do that. All right, so I, I play basketball with a bunch of Christian guys. Basketball's a heated game. Sometimes a word rips out. I want to say them too. Most of the time I don't, but you, you miss that layup and you lose the game and you, you want to say something. Sometimes they do. We don't go, well, man, you should have heard what so-and-so said today. Don't do it. Don't do it. You sometimes, you just let things pass. Not always. Well, what's the difference? How do you know? Discernment. It's a habitual behavior. It has to be confronted. It has to be dealt with. But not every situation is so. He who covers over an offense promotes love. If you don't practice this in marriage, you won't have one. When you're in an intimate relationship with a person, there could be something irritates you almost every day. Just cool it. Shh. Maybe I should say something. Not. Yes. I said it's not good to bury things. You really have to deal with things before they become a super problem. It, it's all a matter of degree isn't it? That's true. Some things have to be confronted. That's, that's why these proverbs are slippery, aren't they? Some general guidelines. On the other hand, if you pick, I'm not saying you, if we pick, 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 if you pick, 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 that's one thing. Yes, if there's a huge problem, you, you address that. But And I don't know which is which all the time. But there are things you just have to let go, right? Pick, 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 pick. That's what this is talking about. This is not talking about major things that go on and hurt us. That's why... Almost always when I say something in here, somebody could say, yes, but. Remember, that's the nature of, problem, of Proverbs. And you are correct. Yes. Um, this has not happened to me personally, but I love to read Dear Amy. And uh, this problem creeps up occasionally. Where Amy is Ann Lander's successor, yes. isn't she? Yes. And occasionally... Um, uh, somebody will write in and say that they have a married couple friends and the man, I'm going to say the man, is cheating on his wife and the wife has become a laughing stock because of this. 
and the friend wants to know, should I tell her that he's cheating on her or should I stay out of it? What do you do in a case like this? Morally, you don't want somebody to be uh, made fun of, or, but you don't want to intrude on their private life either. So what would be the, answer, the correct answer in your opinion? Depends on how close you are. I would have to be very, very close. If you're that close, the person has probably already discovered the indiscretions and has told you. I don't know. There is a situation you could, uh, I won't get into all the details, but suppose this person's running around, it could even be putting your friend's life in danger. So you'd have to have a lot of discretion. If I were in that situation, I'd go to my pastor and ask for prayer about it. My close friends pray, not with names, but you, you would have to have discretion. It seems like a non-answer, but I think I would start more gently by saying, okay, say this is my friend and his name is, is uh, Jehonadab. I'm, I always say it because I don't want it to be anybody's name. There's no Jehonadab here, is there? Okay, well, I'll just call him Jay. Jay, how, how are things going with you, man? Because we'd be close friends. How are, you, how are things going? Yeah, good. And is uh, Miriam doing okay? Yeah, good. Okay. Let's see if anything comes comes out. And uh, I I would I'm afraid have to wait a while because I'd want to be absolutely sure of my facts. It's a tough one. Tough. Twenty nineteen. 2019. Gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Yeah. What does it say about a guy who talks too much? What do what? A person who talks too much, you do what? Say that a, a, a little louder. Avoid. Avoid. You say, well, that's not Christian. Indeed, it is. It is. Speaking about male gossips, I, I used to uh, meet with a couple pastor friends many, many years, meet for a whole afternoon. I think I talked to you about this on the thing of friendship. And one guy had to leave for another pastorate after a while. We were considering another guy for the group. We invited him to lunch. He didn't know why he was there. But this guy just brought everybody's business with him. Everybody's business. He gossiped the whole lunch. Not invited. The last guy we want in our group. Because, you know, if we just said, in, and man, I mean, that day, we all just clammed up. Because with any discernment, we knew, well, he's just gathering more stuff to carry around the county with him. That's shameful. Shameful. So when that person, that gossip, it's a blabbermouth, avoid them. Avoid them. But if you've got a really good friend who's doing this, you might say, you know, I love you, but sometimes you say some things that just, they're not necessary. So with this first group of verses, the words of an angry person lead to conflict, I would summarize this by saying the mouth gets him in trouble. The mouth gets him in trouble. With this second group, the words of a gossip destroy. This ruins relationships.
Now we get to go a little more on the positive side. Number three, the words of the wise are few and well chosen. All right. What was that first word? They are what? Few and well chosen. They are what now? They are? All right. So you're, you're telling them and you say, okay, I got it. And you just keep telling them. Okay. Yeah, I got it. You keep telling them. I got it. Well, here's the way to stop that. If you're on the receiving end, say, okay, now, uh, here's what you said. Here's what I understand you to be saying. You want me to do A and B in this situation, and then you think that will help the condition. No, I don't. I want you to do A, B, and C. Okay. You want me to do A, B, and C. That's right. Okay, A, B, and C. That's right. Okay. Now, do we have it? Yes, we have it. All right. That keeps the words from just proliferating and proliferating and proliferating. Sometimes those words proliferate because you don't get it. Okay, so if you reflect, you do that reflection, they can stop those words. But even, uh, even if this person isn't a great receiver, you don't have to just keep saying more and more. Because then you are beating what? The dead horse. Okay. Let's read this one. 1528. Who hasn't read? We need somebody from this sector. There she is back there. The mic is coming. The heart of the righteous weighs its answer, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Yes, it weighs its answers. Some translations say it ponders how to answer. All right? It ponders. I had an Old Testament professor in seminary. There was a big, a big class, one of the few classes where all of us met together. I think there was only one in the, our whole experience. But we were there with him, and someone asked him a question. His name is Walter Bodine. Dr. Bodine, and here was the question. Uh, Dr. Bodine? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking. Well, sometimes he thought maybe a little too long, but it was wise. Now, when it comes to the deep things of life, not just a question in an academic setting, look, we know this, don't we? Think before you talk. Think before you talk. Hold back. Because what we want to do, we think, if I speak right now, I can fix it. I can fix it. I can fix it. I can fix it. I want to fix it. And God says, think before you speak. We ponder it. We think, okay, now, if I use these words, what will the response be? And there's not a universal way to say things, is there? If I want to say something uh, to my 28-year-old son, it's different than to my 25-year-old daughter, it's different to my 23-year-old daughter. The approach has to be different to everyone. So I have to ponder. They ask me a question, I need to think about this. There's pondering to be done. You weigh this. Think before we speak. All right, what's this next verse? What is it? Seventeen twenty-eight. Someone read this one. Even a fool is thought wise 
if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. What a verse that is. Even the dullard, the fool, the goofus will not be discovered if he is quiet. That's why it's a great verse. Sometimes I am saying, I'm an opinionated person. We know. See, everybody knows. I'm not looking at anybody. Everybody knows, dullard. But even that person, when they don't say anything in a situation, there are situations where you don't say anything, right? There's been an embarrassment. You know it's none of your business. You're, it's, you just stay quiet and people will say, wow, man, that was smart. They kept their mouth shut. Way to go. One thing my, my wife did really well with our kids, they know when to keep their mouth shut. Well, one doesn't know so well, but yeah, yeah, yeah for the most part. That's something to be trained, right? Now, it's more than just good manners. Now, there's, there's some of that, isn't it, if you've, if you've had training in your upbringing. You know there are certain social situations where you just don't say something. That's good training if you want to say good breeding. But this goes on beyond that. This is a spiritual issue. You have to know when not to speak. Yeah, so th she was she was saying this. Really, this proverb is better to say something than to be and be considered stupid than to uh, say something and remove all doubt. Right. Uh, so, yeah, there are times maybe somebody has come to you and they're making an apology and they're laying it out. Boy, I was stupid. Don't agree with them at that point. Yeah, you were. No, don't do it. Zip it. You're almost ready for the mission to be accomplished, and then you just threw fire right back. You know, threw fire right back. Let this wisdom come forth. The kid, you know, you're at an age now where some of your kids, their sins are coming to roost, right? Oh, Mom, you told us all of, all of this stuff has come. And the temptation to say, well, I told you it would. Look. They're telling you they realize you were right. How something is said is so important. That's why you should think about it. It's one of the problems with email today too it's so easy boy I got something on my mind <laughs> bing send there used to be wisdom here you write that letter it's a hot letter and the wisdom was sit on it for a day don't address it don't put the stamp on see how you feel tomorrow today you can bing email is a very very poor way to communicate anything of a personal nature. It can be misinterpreted. They can't read your face. They can't hear the tones. You need to be really careful of that. I, I wouldn't be doing this email banter. If I've got something going with somebody on email, I'd say, well, look, give me a call. At least we can... Face-to-face -face is the best. But then if I can't get it done uh, that way, I will at least say I need a phone call. I've got something like that going right now at work, just, a, just a, something that I want to be done differently, but it's not going out in an email. 
I'm going to say, well, at least let's, let, let's talk about this. I'd like it to be face-to-face -face so there's no misunderstanding. But the way we say something, oh, it's so important, so important. How are we doing? you have any questions, any interaction right now on this? And you look around at the various couples. You can always tell the couple that are dating or in the first years of their relationship. And then there are the couples that have been married for umpteen years, and they are not talking at all. They, they're just eating, and nothing is, they're not communicating at all. Um, what is that indicative? Of what is that indicative? Man, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I think that's one I shouldn't answer. <laughs> I choose to remain silent. Well, it, it depends. Uh, some people do just fine without an awfully lot of exchange. They might be uh, worn out <laughs> as well. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't read too much into that, but it's good. it's good if we can talk every day in marriage. It's good. Yeah. Is there anything else here? Yeah. Here. I remember Peter Marshall once uh, said that if you have a friend to whom you can reveal a confidence in a certain knowledge that it would never be repeated by him, you have a great friend oh. and esteem him much for he is worth more than you will ever know. Oh. Yes, yes. In order to, thank you for that. In order to have that, we need to open up our hearts. We need to be discreet in choosing that friend first. I am blessed to have, I would say, five such people in my life. Five. Now, I, those were developed over 30 years of small groups, willingness to open up, going down the line with each other. But you know, even within those five, you kind of get five and four and three, there's a little more levels of intimacy. That is a blessing to have that. Yeah. I have a comment and a question. One time um, I, I teach, and one time a student who was in a rush to get off to work, said, uh, tell me what's wrong with this. Bust in front of a whole line of people. And I said, well, you know, come in during conference hours. You know, I tried to put it off. And she said, no, I don't have time. Just tell me. And I said, it's bad. You didn't follow the instructions. Well, I can't tell you what kind of trouble I got in for that. So don't let anybody force you to give a, a quick answer when it's not right. But I have a question going back to Thank you for that. Toward There's good wisdom in there. Yeah, now. toward the beginning, uh, when you were talking about having a, a good fight and how you should de-escalate and try and make, and I was wondering if there were any verses that tell you how to do that because when you get involved, you know, y you can see it going crazy, but by that time the juices are flowing, and it. How do you get yourself back? even knowing what you should do to actually do it? Yeah, that's a great question. And part of this has to do, I think, with uh, practicing reflection with each other, uh, maybe going uh, with a professional counselor who believes in the scriptures and holds them in esteem. But practice that reflecting. And I would say, for me, change comes when I, I take a passage of scripture, maybe I memorize that, and I meditate on it, just to think this over, mull it over, chew on it, so that that thing can come to me when I need it. But the other part of this is, when you don't do it perfectly, you can just confess that to the Lord and confess that to this significant other person, and, and you can start again. But if you can set that example, it will it will bring it down. Thank you for that question. God's word is powerful. 
God's word is powerful. It is the most powerful thing in counseling. It is the most powerful thing in life change. It is the most powerful thing in, in sanctification. And we can counsel one another with the word and help each other with the word of God, uh, if we will. Yes. I don't know if all of you could hear this. Uh, there's a metaphor here. Thelma is saying that we all have buckets that uh, if they're full, we feel better emotionally. They're full of compliments and good things that have been said to us. Everybody has these, and we should try to be contributing to those buckets. Now, the one thing I would like to say about that is we need for the biggest bucket filler to be our God. So that even if we are around negative persons who are pulling from that bucket, we can still be full. That is important. Otherwise, we're conditioned by our environment. And as believers, we want to have our lives full of the love of God so that even when uh, the bucket fillers are not around us, we can be content. Our Lord Jesus uh, had terrible things said about him. They didn't fill his bucket. They hated him without a cause and so on. But he was still full of love and contentment because of his relationship with the Father. So it does not diminish what you're saying about us encouraging each other, but I don't want us to be dependent on our circumstances. It's a big growth thing to get to that place where even when individuals are not godly in their words toward us, we can still be content. Then the words can be productive as well. Now, we're going to get some good stuff here. 1225. How many of you? Don't be beaten down, okay? Don't be beaten down. 1225. Some of you, I mean, most of you are, have reached your 40th birthday now. <laughs> You've said some bad things. Yes, I do want to come back another time. No, okay. So 1225. 1225. Would you read it? An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Yeah, anxiety is really bad for the health. You can get all the exercise that you could get. You can eat a perfect diet and still die of stress. Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down. That means it, this nervousness. This, um, this worry, it makes life very difficult. But a good word can lift up somebody. Isn't that great to be a wise person, to have this skill come along and, and here's an individual, you know they're on a downer. They're on a downer. But you can speak something to them that will encourage them. You're going, here, here's one thing, always when I counsel with someone, I like to encourage them, you're going to make it through this. You're doing your work. It's painful, but you're going to make it through. Others have made it through this. So encourage people in the difficulties that God is going to help them. Now this is not the time for you're quoting the Bible indiscriminately. You need to be discerning about that. But can speak that word. Oh my, what a skill that is. I think there was a question over in here. Yes. 
and he was um, talking about anxiety and stuff. And, you know, he was saying that anxiety is never justified because it's based on pride. I actually took notes on this. And um, it, it also said that anxiety is the mark of an unsurrendered heart. Uh, that the people, when you're anxious, you're focusing so much on yourself and not your relationship with God. You're trying to do things on your own uh, or control things on your own. Now, if that's the case and you're faced with an anxious person, you can sort of say, you know, well, you know, it's it's going to be okay or whatever. But how do you deal with that? Because you're not getting into the root cause. If this is true, what he said, you're not getting into the root cause yes. of the anxiety. Yes. Well, it's good. We have... Uh, we have certain built-in defense mechanisms God has given us for survival. You're going to be anxious, for instance, if you're about to get in a car accident, and you're going to be anxious if uh, you've, uh, you've come into a physical danger and so on. It's going to be uh, an anxious moment. But habitual worrying, this this all the time having to have something wrong and we just are not that is a sin it's a sin it's a sinful lifestyle that needs to be corrected it's dishonoring to the Lord well what what we do is we come back to this fact we go back to the perfections of God God is sovereign God is Good, those are two truths there that are very important. God is loving, but he is in control of this. And he has not brought anything into your life that is not for the good. Now, the good may mean your sanctification. The good may mean that you're going to go through some misery for a while in order for you to become a better person and more Christ-like. You know, we all raise our hands. Yes, I'd be more like Jesus, <laughs> But remember what he went through, right? So that is our, our goal. And uh, a person who is psychologically that immature is spiritually immature also. And what they need to do is be built up. I would say get into fellowship, get built up into a group that's going to affirm uh, the truths. Because they're believing a lie, basically. They're feeling alone. They're feeling in constant danger, which is not the case. Well, they need to be in a group, and, and I think you need to say to them, you really need to be in a small group. You need to get involved in ministry so you're not so focused on your own issues all the time. There can be some frank speech about that. All right, yes. that these people are not sinful. I feel that these people are not, uh, that God is not going to punish them because it is actually a person that it, you're true. They need help. But there's a sickness now, and they, they have to overcome that sickness. And uh, what you're saying with the doctor taking good care of him, it's fine. But then the people that are around him are not sinful and feeling that they're put upon too because the person, if they're not taking their medication, then they go right back to this and it's all depending upon a form of Alzheimer's and it's underneath that umbrella. So I, I'm agreeing with you in my, my feeling, as I say, but then I also feel that they're not sinful. They're not committing a sin by feeling that way. Well, now if this is a medical problem, that's a different issue. But if this is a person who is well and they are not being affected mentally by other bodily organ misfunctions and so on, then they need to express their confidence in the Lord more through praise and trust in him and prayer than constantly worrying. Oh, well, if I, the question is... It, 
does this, if a person is habitually worrying, do they have a physical problem? I, I would say this. Um, if you sense that all the time, you might say, have you had a physical lately? But if they have, really, it is dishonoring to worry all the time. Not if you've got a physical problem, but if it's just a habit where I, I'm just not a happy person, and you know what? Get happy. Get happy. Rejoice. Pick up your attitude. Really. So that, that's, it can be done. All right. That is it for the day. <laughs> it's time. But I want for you to think about this this week. I would like for you to think about someone that you can build up with your words. I'd like for you to think about someone you can build up, encourage. If you've got that person in mind right now, write down the name and say you're going to do that. Because change takes place through, through action. It's so easy here. Oh, come, come, every, come every week. Oh, that was a nice talk, Dan. Nice talks are not my concern. Right? And I don't mean to, I'm not criticizing you. You've been very encouraging. But what we want here is Holy Spirit-led change. We can all change with his help. So the words, let's use them. They're powerful. Let's build people up. Let's encourage them with what we say. Let us be instruments of the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. We are grateful for your love to us, which is unconditional. May we be vessels of love in other people's lives. Help us to use our words ever so carefully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you to Dr. Green. I can't, I can't believe we only have two weeks left in this series. It's gone so quickly. But there we are. So you have your homework assignment for this week. And I just have one more um, parting comment, and that is... Today is the last day that we can um, give a reservation count to the tour company. We have 15 people signed up for this, and it, we need to have 30 in order for us to be able to guarantee um, a bus and a driver and a tour guide and what have you. So if you're considering doing this, today's the day to say so. And Eileen's got a sign-up sheet there in the back, and then we'll let you know if we made this if we're going to be able to have our, our trip to see the caves of Lascaux. So that being said, have a wonderful week. Your folks that are doing the finance class are all set up in Fellowship Hall 3, and they'll be ready to start in about five minutes. Enjoy your beautiful day. <laughs>